So Colossians 4, and uh, (coughs) I'll read again, verses 5 and 6. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Well, I prepared a sermon way back in October, I think it was, and then I got COVID. It's been sitting there waiting to further height time to preach. So what it says at the beginning of my message is, last Sunday evening we thought about the essential content of the gospel that shared well, That actually was um, on the 15th of October. So, you remember that sermon well, I'm sure. Uh, but remember, we, we, we looked at the Philippian jailer and how, how little it seemed that he actually had to go on uh, when he turned to the Lord. And, and we looked at many examples of that. And, and sometimes we imagine that people have to have an awful lot of information before they can become Christians. Indeed, in the past, it was the uh, policy of missionaries going to other countries to start with education and to try and educate people before they, they expected them to turn to Jesus, before they, they expect them to be able to know enough to be able to read the Bible and hear what the message was and understand it. But that wasn't the approach of uh, the apostles as they spread the gospel. And actually God can work with very little information. Very little information. It's just, if, if we, like, like the wise men, as, as often, uh, Bob, we've got Bob Ackroyd coming in a few weeks to take your communion. And, and Bob speaks about this as part of his conversion story. The wise men, they knew very little, but what they knew, they believed and they acted upon, and it took them to Jesus. And Bob said he was like that, and there are many people like that who they don't need to know much, but if they just act on what they know, it'll bring them to Jesus. Uh, so um, tonight we're going to take take that on a bit and think, well, okay, whether people know a lot or a little about Jesus, we need to also make sure that they know it's urgent, that they do something about what they do know about about Jesus um, and we're going to think about why we need to be urgent so I'm going to go on to switch this on and go on to the oh, wait a minute we're I'm behind here here we go that's where I want to be <coughs> so uh, we're, we're going to just look at these these verses and, and see what they say this, we, we see here there are people called outsiders Outsiders to the church. And we see that we have conversations with them. I hope you do. Sometimes Christian communities become so insular and inward looking that the Christians only speak to Christians. But you're not like that. I know that. And that's fantastic because we definitely ought not to be like that. Uh, we, we need to act uh, um, in, in wisdom towards outsiders. But God will give us opportunities with them 
and we can have conversations with them, which we hope to, will be full of grace, seasoned with salt, and will know how to answer uh, people's questions. But let's let's not be afraid of this as Christians, um, interacting with people who are outsiders, yeah, and and you know we don't always have to have, or we don't have to have the answers, uh, and we might bungle the opportunities uh, and sometimes we might not quite have the right attitudes ourselves, we might not have the grace that we should have but you know, let's do our, do our best in our relationships with people around us and perhaps even let's be intentional about doing things that bring us into contact with people who aren't Christians uh, and, and pray for them as well love them and seek opportunities to try and tell them something about Jesus uh, in whatever way we can and there are lots and lots of different ways to do that but uh, sometimes we do get opportunities and uh, sometimes we do get asked questions and we, we try to answer them and we should try and snap up opportunities like that it's interesting the word where it says make the most of every opportunity. It literally it's it's a word for going down to the shops and you're you're looking along as you know, two for the price of one. You see an amazing bargain and you snap it up. And it's this is the this is the image. You know, God gives us those opportunities. Sometimes if somebody maybe says, you know, so where were you at the weekend? You know, or or Maybe they know a little bit more about you as, as a Christian and, and they ask you some more personal question. You know, what, what, what does your God think about, about this? Or, or, you know, why, why is there so much suffering in the world? And you think, oh, that's a, that's a two for one bargain. Grab it if you can. That's the picture. It's like God gives you those opportunities and we should try and grab them, snap them up if we can. It doesn't mean being slick and having lots of answers and everything else. It means being honest as a Christian. You know, suffering, for example, you, you probably don't have the answers. Um, but uh, you can compassionately sympathize and empathize with people. You can speak about how Jesus suffered for you. You can speak about how God helped you in your sufferings. And these are personal and they're real. And uh, you're not trying to be clever but you're just being real. You're just telling what God has done. But there's another dimension that we're going to try and get to tonight. And that is, it is urgent that people do become believers in Jesus. It is urgent that people respond to the gospel. And we need to try and convey that. We need to try and make the most of every opportunity. That's what we need to do. And we need to try and get people to have the sense that it's urgent that they think about Jesus. We don't want people to get the impression from us, and I, I know I've been guilty of this many times of people, that they'll go away and I'm thinking, you know, they're not going to think from what I just said that they have to do anything with Jesus right now. They're not going to think. They're going to maybe think, oh, I can deal with it later when we're older or whatever. But there is an urgency and we need to try and convey 
that urgency. I think perhaps then of the last conversation you had with an outsider, with someone who's not a believer in Jesus, in which somehow perhaps the, the gospel of Jesus came into the conversation. Um, can you analyse that? Can you think, did I make it urgent? Would they have got the sense that I think this really matters and that it's not something for them to put off? Making the most of every opportunity does mean, you know, the bargain, the bargain won't be there forever. Uh, the opportunity won't be there next time. This is the time. This is the time to grab and snap up that bargain opportunity that someone's just given you to tell them something about Jesus and to try and give to them a sense they need to do something about it and not just think it's one of kind of many, many options that uh, uh, are not really that important. So think about those last opportunities you had. Did you snap them up? Did you, were you prepared to do a bit of haggling, as it were? You know, a bit of, a bit of uh, uh, you know, back and forth and trying to get a sense of where they were coming from and trying to answer perhaps uh, any questions and trying to maybe counter any, any criticisms they made of, of Jesus or of Christianity. Um, did they come away with a sense of it being urgent? You know, that's the challenge uh, for us. And of course God can use us and generally does use us when we failed. <laughs> he never uses us because we're perfect. We've, we've been able to share the beautiful gospel story so powerfully that God is, is as it were, watching and saying, you know, they've done that so well, I'm going to make the person they've told about Jesus become a Christian. It doesn't happen like that. Uh, but, you know, if you can convey to people the fact that the Jesus you're speaking about is not an object. He's not just a, an idea. He's not a philosophy. But you love him. You love him. That very love is, is, is urgent. So let's just get a few things. Let's first of all ask the question, um, why do we need to be urgent? Why do we need to be urgent? And let me just say a few things about this. One is because the Bible says so. Um, we, we sang it in Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Jesus, you must be born again. It's not, it's not a choice. Unless you're born again, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Paul, uh, Peter on the day of Pentecost, with many other words it says, he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Um, pleading, warning, urgency. Uh, here's, here's another uh, quite well-known verse of, of Peter and John before the, the uh, ruling council in Jerusalem. Salvation is found in no one else. No one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must, must is the word there. It's absolutely necessary, is what Peter says, that we're saved. It's not, it's not an option to think about anything else. Um, Paul, when he's 
meeting with the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, he says to them, Be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. So this is a man who cares about the message and he tears flow when he speaks about Jesus. So there there are countless examples in the Bible of the urgency of the gospel. What makes it urgent is often time because time is passing. Seek the Lord while he may be found. There's going to be a time when you're not going to be able to do that anymore. Don't assume that you can put it off. Don't assume that you've got another day because you don't have any guarantees that you have another day. Don't assume that you'll still have your faculties uh, when you think you're going to think about Jesus finally when you're older or whatever. And don't assume that you won't be so hard in your heart that if you begin to try, you won't be able to do it because your heart will harden so much because you've put them off so long. Time changes you. And time also brings us into situations where we can no longer sometimes consider Jesus, where it's too late because we're not any longer breathing, living in this world. And we have gone to meet the judge. Jesus told this story uh, about the rich, the, the, the man who's going to say to himself, you have plenty of goods, plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Time, time. He thought he has time. He thought he had time. He doesn't have time. It's urgent. You can't put off uh, God and the gospel and Jesus. Proverbs 6. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. Just, Just be drowsy about the gospel. And one day you wake up and think, I'm poor and I miss my opportunities. And also, when people think, I'll put it off, you know, I often, often feel this, that many of the people who are becoming Christians today are becoming Christians in old age. And when someone becomes a Christian old age, I love that, it's wonderful. But you, ought, you maybe think to yourself, if only they'd become a Christian 60 years ago, think of how they could have offered their life to the Lord. Well, of course, that's a very human way of thinking. And God has his time in, in our lives. But we don't want to be offering the dying embers. You don't want to have the experience, or you don't want in a sense to give Jesus the experience like I had the other night. Came, came through the living room about midnight and I thought, I'll just a wee bit of time just by the, by the, the warmth of the fire. <sighs> and the fire was just a few little embers dying in the hearth. And there was no warmth anymore. And, uh, you know, we don't want to give the dying embers of our life to Jesus eh, and put him off until we've got very little left to give. You know, we want to, to give our whole lives and we want people to give their whole lives. We prioritize, no doubt, uh, children's work 
in the church and that is so important because if, if it happens to be that a young person begins to follow Jesus when they're 12, when they're 16 or whatever, then the whole of their lives could be offered to Jesus and great good can come through that. So um, we don't want to encourage anyone to think it's not urgent. You know, I'm, I'm a young person. I'll deal with that when I'm old. Yeah, religion's for old people. We don't want anyone ever to think that. And so, are you ready to meet with Jesus tonight? Because it is urgent, don't think to yourself, there's more time. Because there isn't more time, unless God gives you more time. And God may not give you more time. And so it's got to be now that you pack your bags for eternity. Another reason why it's so urgent is because Jesus tells us we must do it. He commands us. We can't delay the Lord's Lord's command. So here, um, this man, Jesus says to him, follow me. But the man replies, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And, you know, it sounds a bit strange to us that Jesus replies as he does. Let the dead bury their own dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. The man isn't saying, you know, my dad has died and I bet I need to go and bury him. He's not saying that. It maybe sounds like that to us. But, you know, in, in these parts of the world, they bury people on the same day. And they always did. You can't, you can't leave it four days or three weeks or whatever. It's, you know, they bury people on the same day. So it's not like his father's died. And what he's saying is, you know, I'm the... Possibly even I'm the heir to my father's goods. When when the old man dies, and I and I become heir, you know I'll, I'll give my life to you then. Jesus says, "You come, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God right now. It's not it's not to wait for you may, your father may be very ill, but now is the time for you to go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God, your father as well." You cannot delay the command. Many commands like that, where the Lord is saying, now is the time. So, why might you and I be afraid to be urgent? Let's just finish on that. Why might we be be afraid to be urgent? Um, Because, you know, it's very human for us when we're with the outsiders, people uh, in our community, to, to be afraid, not even to know we're afraid, to be intimidated. You see, this is a, something I'm conscious of in, in ministry work. Because I've been here for a long time um, and got integrated into the community, you know, I have lots and lots of relationships with people and I cherish every one of them and I don't want to disturb them. I don't want to upset those relationships by telling them about Jesus understand that and that's totally wrong because I must not be like that uh, I, I must and, and it's a challenge then it's much easier when you, when you just come into a new situation just to put your colours in the mask, nail them to the mask and say well you know I'm a Christian and uh, you know you're a new phenomenon then, you're a Christian 
you can tell your story, and it's all fresh, and sometimes that's when other people respond to you. Uh, but if they've known you for 40 years and you've been a Christian all that time, then it's not so exciting, it's not so remarkable that you would tell them about Jesus. And also you've probably been working with them, you've, you've seen them in the community over that whole time. And for you to try and press urgently with them, the need for them to repent and believe Jesus, it, it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. We're, we're afraid. And we need to overcome that. Maybe it's because we've got in our minds a kind of image of how it would look like if we got urgent with people. And maybe we've kind of got them up against the wall or something like that. We're buttonholing them, or maybe you know, maybe we're we're bungling it. You know, we're we're trying to tell someone about Jesus, and it's not going well because we're we're getting tongue-tied, and we're not we're not saying it. We want to say it compassionately and lovingly and gently, but it sounds harsh. Or sometimes it sounds legalistic. People feel like there's, you know, there's a, a sort of thundering preacher um, uh, lambasting them, and, and uh, they, they feel very awkward. You know, that's this doesn't, and it shouldn't be like that. It mustn't be like that. Um, it must be like we saw in the passage. Must be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Remember a sermon the late Professor McLeod preached on this, and about salt. And he and, and he brought something out that I'd certainly not heard before. Mind you, I hadn't been a Christian long, but it seemed to be quiet because we were discussing it in the in the at the college table. He said, "Salt's exciting." You put salt in your food. And the person's creature says, wait, taste it first. I I, I must confess, I I put salt on my food. Uh, Usually, before I taste it. In the open door coffee, I'll taste the soup, folks, just just so you know. And then I'll I'll put salt in the proleno. Because salt's got a time. It's got an excitement, it's got a nice kind of flavour. You know, you can you can have a potato and you've boiled it, and a boiled potato is not really that exciting. But split it open and put a bit of salt, a bit of pepper in it, and it transforms it. And we as Christians, you know, we when we speak about Jesus we should be full of grace and we need to have a sense of excitement about our relationship with Jesus and to have that we've got to be people who keep our relationship with Jesus fresh so that it's a daily thing so we can actually say to people because we sat down and we made time in the morning for example, when it's time in the morning, eh, and it doesn't need to be in the morning, you might, some of you might do it last thing at night or whatever it is, but we made time. We sat down and we read a passage, but maybe we didn't feel we had to just read it and say our prayers and go to bed. We listened, and then we thought about it, and we thought a bit more, 
and we began to see some things about what Jesus was saying to us, and it got we we, we got a touch in our soul of it, we got excited about it, and it was fresh. And then later on in the day or the next day, we can say the sun. And it's so real then. Do you know, I was reading this in the Bible this morning, and it really excited me. Salt. So you're not just like a, a, raw, a, like a boiled potato <laughs> Christian. You've got some tan, you've got some freshness, you've got some vibrancy. So, we might be scared. Yeah, we might be scared. Um, and we might fear to be urgent. But if it's real, it's a lot easier. If it's, if it's, if it's you, if it's you and your relationship with Jesus, if it's your story about your relationship with Jesus, then it's real. And it's easy to share what's real. It's when we try and make it forced. We try and be like someone else. We try and put on a pious tone. That's when it goes wrong. It's not you anymore. You've got to tell it as it is. With you and your relationship with Jesus. So the more exciting that relationship is, the more you've grasped the grace of Jesus, the less you need to be afraid when you talk about him with other people. So yeah, we might be frightened, we might be frightened of offending people, we might be frightened of putting them off, we might be frightened of rocking the boat in the community, we might be frightened of losing the friendship, but it's urgent. We mustn't let these fears dominate. Uh, some of you will know the story, no doubt, about how D.L. Moody, the, the 19th century evangelist, had this pressed home to him. In 1871, there was a fire in the city of Chicago. 3.3 square miles of the city were burned to the ground. 100,000 people were made homeless. And 300 people perished. The night the fire broke out, D.L. Moody was actually preaching in Chicago. And in, in the congregation there were two and a half thousand people. He was preaching on the text in Matthew 27. What then shall I do? This is Pilate speaking. What then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And Moody ended the meeting by saying to people to take the week ahead to weigh the claims of Christ. In other words, he wasn't urgent. He says, you've got a week. Come back next week and you'll hear some more. And as the service was finishing and they were singing the hymn, they could hear the fire engines. And then people went out, two and a half thousand people. Moody described his approach that night as one of the worst things he ever did. Because he wondered then how many of the people that had been in the congregation died that night in the fire before 
they got to consider the claims of Jesus further. And this is what he said. I want to tell you of the one lesson I learned that night. That is, when I preach, I press Christ upon the people then and there and try to bring them to a decision on the spot. I would rather have that right hand cut off. So he's probably holding out his hand saying, I'd rather have that right hand cut off than to give an audience now a week to decide what to do with Jesus. Okay, and you're not D.L. Moody. There's no one here who's like D.L. Moody. An incredibly anointed man. But you can see what he's saying. You can see what he's saying. There is urgency. So when God gives you opportunity, you may not be having two and a half thousand people in front of you, but when God gives you the opportunity, when you're you know, on the street in Kyle, or you're, you're asked a question in the classroom, in the workplace, you know, in, you know, wherever you're meeting people, your social gatherings, your, the clubs you go to, or whatever, or, you know, whether it's football or something like that. When you get the opportunity, you know, try and convey to people, this really matters. So any one of these people in that congregation at night thought, I've got a week. And sort of said, well, I'll think about it on Tuesday. But died in the fire that night. Then they would be standing before God, having not received Jesus Christ. They would not have a saviour. They would not be able, therefore, to be in God's presence any longer. And God would not be able to, be, to bring them into his presence because they stand alone without Jesus. And he would send them away. He'd have to. It's urgent. It matters. Make the most of every opportunity. We can't make people become Christians. And when we've tried to take our opportunities, we pray for God's blessing to follow on from them. We plant, we water. And God will give the harvest. He will give the increase when we do our part. But let's be urgent. Let's have that sense. This really matters. And it matters now. And it matters that now you do something about Jesus while you have the time.